0: You grab your Bibles, turn to John 16, John 16, verse 1, we'll read 1 through 4. So I've said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I've said these things to you, that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. So we are walking through this section, again, that is all the same context. When the Gospel of John was originally written, just remind us that we're not chapters or verses that were connected there. And so um, this has kind of been added for our benefits, and we kind of locate things. But this is all the same context. Fifteen, John 15, 18 through 25, Jesus speaks about the hatred of God that will in turn come toward the hatred of His people. And Jesus says there that keep in mind that they're going to hate you, but I want you to know that they hated me first. And then He um, goes into the ministry of the Holy Spirit, which is what we spent our time last week looking at. What do persecuted people need? They needed the power of the Spirit to help them. And so two bookends of persecution. One pretty clearly, eighteen through twenty-five, about that. Then what what do you need in the midst of that? You need the help of the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and then he will talk about persecution more today. So though we have come to the new chapter, this is the same context with everything. And this these words that Jesus speaks here become a prediction and a warning to all of his followers in regard to the future. They were, in a sense, a prophetic word to them as to what would happen and take place in their lives. So now I want to ask you to turn just to the book to your right, and I want you to go to, to uh, two books to your right, to the book of Romans, chapter 10. And I want us to look at something in Romans 10 just for a moment. The greatest change maker in the world is spoken of and written in Romans, chapter 10, Verses 13 through 17. This is what the apostles were entrusted with. It is what we are entrusted with. And I want to talk about this just for a moment. Romans 10, 13 through 17. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And hearing through the word of Christ. That is the change agent in the world. That is what brings transformation from the kingdom of darkness into the marvelous light of the kingdom of God's Son, Christ. And Satan opposes this at every turn and in every kind of way. Communicating to the world that Christ isn't the answer. And so it is in a world that hates God and hates the truth of God's Word that you and I go into that world to speak the truth of Jesus. And this is, again, this is the only way for transformation to come. And again, Satan opposes this in every kind of way. He will lie and he will say, no, you can call on Buddha. No, you can call on Allah. No, you can call on yourself by just being good or you can call on The Mormon Jesus or the Jehovah's Witness Jesus that they speak about. He fears people calling on the name of the real Jesus. And Jesus who is the Son of God. And he will distract believers to get them caught up in things of the world rather than testifying about Jesus. And if he can do this, then people will never hear because no one is telling. He aims consistently at keeping people sitting in their seats just soaking things in. He would say, no, not beautiful are not the feet who take the good news and take the gospel to places where it's not been heard. This is not lovely work. And he calls it a waste of time, a waste of your life. But in 16 and 17, faith comes only through hearing the Word of God, the Word of Christ, for He is the Savior. And not everybody has obeyed, and so we must go and tell. It is the words of Jesus that ultimately bring about the persecution that believers over the last 2,000 years have experienced. Here's why. We live by and embrace our life is the teaching and the words of Jesus. It's what transforms us. It's what brings about our understanding who God is and how we are to walk in light of God's glory in his word and how he has told us to live our lives. And the world is not going to applaud us for that. It's not going to affirm anything for that. We're going to see some pretty strong words from Jesus today as we walk through this. But this is how the world changes. This is how lives change. This is how families are transformed, cultures are transformed by the preaching and the teaching and the telling of the gospel of Jesus. And it has been told for 2,000 years in hostile environments where people have lost their lives for telling the matchless, undeniable, true story that the Son of God came in flesh here to the earth and loves people and calls them to relationship with Himself. So we love Jesus' words. We take them as his, our very own. But it comes at a cost at times for many people. So what we're going to undertake today is a little bit further aspect of what we looked at a couple of weeks ago, is why has there been a staying aggression, a continued aggression toward the people of God over the last 2,000 years from multiple places? Um, One of the greatest persecutors in the history of the world was Roman Catholicism. Millions of people were killed as a result of what um, Catholicism did beginning in um, 606, all the way through the middle of the 1800s. Just tremendous amount of things, and we'll talk a little bit about that here in a little bit. But I want to, I want to make a distinction as we talk today about biblical Christians. Our culture, in many ways, can tolerate soft Christianity. We see it all the time. Look at talk shows. who bring famous pastors, writers, whatever, on their shows. And they have nice conversations that aren't controversial whatsoever. And the world, according to Jesus, hates the gospel. So how in the world can somebody be invited and have a conversation about things and, and not say anything controversial that causes a stink? Because we do know that when biblical Christians speak, that it causes friction and it causes tension with the world. So walking from the upper room to the Garden of Gethsemane on the last night, Jesus is talking to the eleven. Judas has gone away. He's gotten his money. He's going to meet Jesus in a little bit in the Garden of Gethsemane. He will betray him with a kiss. But on the way, Jesus shares with the eleven what the future holds for them. Now, he shares unbelievable promises on this night, and he will share more promises throughout chapter 16, and then we have this great prayer for them in chapter 17. And yet in the midst of the promises, he's going to tell them that there's going to be a cost to embracing the promises of God and walking in the promises of God. There will be persecution that comes to those who embrace the promises of God. But how do you get through? Watch this. How do you get through the persecution? You get through the persecution by the very means in which the persecution comes to you, the promises and the words. Of Christ. So the persecution comes because of the words of Christ and because we believe them, we live for them, and yet they are what you and I need to get us through when persecution comes. And so let's look first of all this morning in regard to what do the words of Jesus, how do they help us, what does it bring about. And the first thing I want us to see, and we'll have these up on the screen for you, is that the words of Jesus. Keep us near to Jesus. So look at verse 1. I have said all of these things to you to keep you from falling away. So this is a clear word from Christ that the most stabilizing aspect of our faith is found in embracing His words. And yet the persecution comes to believers and it has been this way because they embrace His words. So the thing that's going to help us maintain our faith in the midst of a world that will attack us, say certain things and even as he speaks about will kill us is to embrace the words of Jesus. Now the prophet Jeremiah suffered persecution and was eventually killed. So in Jeremiah chapter 15 he is dealing with his own form of persecution in his life. And he Says something very unique and very interesting. In a second, David's going to put it up on the screen, but I want to read Jeremiah 15, 15 first, and then I want to show you the response that Jeremiah gives in regard to the persecution that comes his way. So in Jeremiah 15, 15, he says, Oh Lord, you know. So remember me and visit me and take vengeance for for me on my persecutor. So he speaks about he is being persecuted. In your forbearance, take me not away and know that for your sake I bear reproach. So here's Jeremiah saying, my countrymen are looking at me and I'm preaching and I'm telling the truth and I'm bearing reproach and they're not wanting to listen to this. And then the very next verse, he talks about how he got through this. So look up on the screen. This is what 1516 says. He says, but your words were found, and I ate them. And your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart, for I am called by your name, O Lord, God of hosts. How did he get through? He found the truth of God's word. And he ate them. They became his very life. He internalized the truth of God's word and enabled him to continue in his ministry. This is exactly what Jesus tells the 11. Men, I've called you out to follow me. You have followed me. I am going to go away. I'm the one who's been receiving all of this persecution. But when I go away and you're going to be left here All of the persecution is going to now come directed toward you because I am gone. But you're going to have a helper who will be with you and empower you in the midst of all of this. So Jesus says these words. I've said these things to you to keep you from falling away. This, this, This word falling away here is in the Greek. It speaks of a trap that you set maybe out in the wilderness to catch a rabbit. And the rabbit's caught by surprise. And and what Jesus is saying here is do not be caught off guard that the world's going to respond to you this way. They're going to set a trap. They're going to try to say certain things. But I'm telling you, don't be caught off guard. Don't be surprised that the world is going to respond in this way. So he gives them this warning that this response will happen. Christ followers should ever be diligent, vigilant, that we can stumble when real pressure comes, many have stumbled. When real press, pressure comes, and so Jesus is telling them, Look, I'm telling you early, so you'll be aware that this is going to come to you if you follow me. And consistently considering this truth equips us to be ready for the pushback, and the world is going to push back. It happened this week. So, last Sunday, uh, Ryan in both services shared about biblical sexuality. Uh, Sunday and gave affirmation as to where we stand as a church um, there 's a law that 's been passed in Canada that um, has the strong potential that a p- potentially and, and it 's even been tried to uh, the same idea has been tried to push in some certain legislators um, legislations in states in our country as well where if you try to convert and, and share the gospel with the homosexual for the purpose of converting them to the gospel, then you can be arrested and so so this law was passed in Canada, um, and so last week, um, thousands of churches uh, in the United States and Canada um, stood up and preached and gave an affirmation. So John MacArthur was kind of kind of spearheaded this, and so um, uh, his sermon that he gave last Sunday was put on YouTube and was censored by YouTube. They took it, they took early in the week, it's it back on there now, but earlier in the week, they took his sermon off because they considered it, as they listened to it, to be hate speech. This is what, this, these are just a couple of quotes that MacArthur gave. So, he said, there is no such thing as transgender. You are either XX or XY, that's it. God made man male and female, and that is determined genetically, that is physiology, That is science. That is reality. He went on to say this notion that you are something other than your biology is a cultural construct intended as an assault on God. The only way you can address it honestly is to say God made you and God made you exactly the way He wanted you to be. And you are not only fighting God in His physical creation, you are fighting God in His sovereignty. You are fighting God in His spiritual relationship to you. This is a war on God. So they removed the sermon early in the week, and they sent this message as to why they did it. YouTube said, our team has reviewed your content, and unfortunately, we think it violates our hate speech policy. So we removed the following content from YouTube. There is no such thing as transgender. You are either XX or XY. That's it. So they took that out of the sermon. So you couldn't hear it. Now, again, it's back up there. It's back up there again this morning. But I, I, just, I just want to highlight to you that we're not talking about stuff that just happened thousands of years ago to the 11. This is happening today. A continued pushback, and we will continue to see these things um, happen more and more even in our day. So the current message of our day is culture will tolerate a soft Christianity it's not going to really tolerate a biblical Christianity. It will push back. And I can stand firm in that because we have two thousand years of history where this has been the case. It has been the case in in the Western world, it has been the case in the eastern part of the world, it has been the, the case in everywhere that believers have been persecuted. And so Christ's aim is to keep the 11 near. Christ's aim is to keep you and I near to him. And the only way to stay near to him, he tells them, is I've given you these words so that you will not fall away. So the way that we maintain our faith, even in the midst of persecution that comes because of the words of Christ that we believe and we live by, is to stand in the promises of God. That is how we do that. So he tells them, that the words of Jesus will keep them near. And so Jesus spoke of a faith that prospers in persecution. He didn't speak of a prosperity gospel that would be free of persecution. He speaks that our faith actually prospers in the midst of that, and so we have seen that. And so again, our great hope is found, and our great need is connected to His Word. Secondly, this morning, let's look at the First part of verse 2. The words of Jesus will be used to alienate and cast the remnant of God away. So he says in the first part of verse 2, they will put you out of the synagogues. Those who do not hold to the newest popular theology, and they come, they've, been, they've been coming around for 2,000 years, and they will continue to be the case here, will be put in the crosshairs of those who who follow new directions and new different things. Now it's called progressive Christianity in our day and time that um, has drifted. But they will look at people like us who are biblical Christians and follow the Word of God. And they will say to you and I, well, you're just on the fringes. And no, we're actually mainstream. And I'm an old pather. I hope you are as well. There's a great word that Jeremiah speaks in Jeremiah chapter 6, where he says these words, Thus says the Lord, through Jeremiah, and God says, Stand by the roads and look around. Take a look. Examine. Ask at that path for ancient paths, at that road. Ask for ancient paths. Ask where the good way is. And when, you, when you're there and you hear it and you know it, this old path, walk in it, Jeremiah says, and when you walk in it, you will find rest for your souls. But then Jeremiah six sixteen closes. But the people said, "No, we're not going to walk in it." I'm an ancient pather because God's word doesn't change. It is timeless. It is the truth. We must continue to embrace that. So he looks at the eleven as they're walking, and he gives them a clear warning. He said, "Men, let me tell you, this is an immediate now thing that you are about to experience. You've grown up going to synagogues. You've grown up learning about God in synagogues. But there's about to come a time when you're not going to be welcome anymore in the synagogue. Because the synagogues are going to be full of people and leaders who don't affirm who I am. And so when you go there, because you love me and you love my words, they are going to cast you out of the synagogues. You will no longer be welcome there. This was a big deal to us if we were to say, okay, you have to leave Life Point. You have to go on your way. Well, there's hundreds of churches that you could go to. Back in the day, if you were kicked out of the synagogue, you couldn't buy things. You couldn't be buried. You were outcast from your family. It was deeply costly. So as they're walking to the Garden of Gethsemane, and he shares with them, listen, there's a time coming when you've you've grown up going to the synagogue and learning about God, but you're going to go to the synagogue, and they're not going to welcome you. You are not going to be a part of what is happening and taking place there. You will be outcast. So Jesus tells them, you're not really going to be welcome anymore in Jewish places because you love my name and because you treasure something that the world actually hates and the Jewish people are going to hate my name as well. You will be cast out. None of this was new. It permeated the first century church they knew it really well paul spent three years in ephesus pleading with them to maintain right doctrine to be careful of what happens and takes place and so listen to these words from acts 20 verse 26 through 32 paul there with the leaders of the church in ephesus they've come to meet him as his ship he's on his way to jerusalem and uh and he's in trouble, and he, they meet him, and he shares these words with them. Acts twenty twenty six. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all. And here's why he was innocent. For I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. I told you everything God wanted me to tell you. And then he says these words. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all of the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after I leave you, after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own cells, there will arise men speaking twisted things from within your congregation, he tells them, to draw the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert. Remembering that for three years I did not, listen to this, I did not cease night or day to admonish every one of you with tears. It is it is a holy thing for people of God to plead with tears. For people to, to trust in the truth of God's Word and to not drift. And to not run after things that are not true. And then he says, Now commend you to God and to... The word of his grace. Notice what Paul says. I want you to be connected to the word. To the word of grace. This is key. In the midst of all the stuff that's going to come to you. Which is able to build you up. And to give you the inheritance among those. Who are being sanctified. So Paul says it. He writes it even later, and he says this. Listen, one of the things that's going to happen to you, Christians, is you're going to experience persecution not only from without the church, but you're going to experience it from within the church. And you will continue to see this. We see that in 2 Timothy chapter 4. As he speaks about that. And he talks about people will, will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. We live in a day and time where people have wandered into myths. Let me share a few myths that people who have been connected with the church have wandered into. You don't have to go to church. You don't have to go to church. You just stay home, you can do this, you can do whatever. It's it's not valued by God. And so people have wandered off into a myth that says that God didn't really say that you should gather with his people. Here's another myth that's drifted into the church that boys can be girls and girls can be boys. No, that's a myth. It's not true. God made them male and female. So this is another myth. This has drifted in the church. Here's another myth that's drifted in the church. Well, the truth gets to be whatever I decide it to be. Our culture's that way. You have your truth. I have my truth. They have their truth. Everybody's got their truth. Isn't everything good? Look how good it is in our country today because we all have our own truth. That's a myth. It's drifted into the church. You can just kind of believe whatever you want to about Jesus, and it's all right. Here's another myth, that marriage is not really between a man and a woman. Marriage is whatever you want to call it. And it's been redefined. That's a myth, and that's drifted into the church as well. Here's another big myth. we said the 49th anniversary this week of Roe v. Wade in our country... 63 million abortions later that we know of. So here's a myth that some churches and some Christians affirm that life does not begin at conception. And it does. It does. And so there's all, this this idea that there's not things today, this is just kind of back then, it was really hard when the early church got started. No, it's it's been this way for a couple of thousand years. People have wandered away into myths, they've they've rejected the truth, and the words that God's people embrace will alienate them, and that will alienate them. The apostles experienced that, and sometimes that is even from people who use religious words will persecute biblical Christians. Thirdly, Jesus tells them that the words of Jesus will actually prove very costly to his followers. So he says in the second part of verse 2, so let's read all of two together. So they're going to put you out, you're going to be outcast. they're going to put you out of the synagogue, you're no longer going to be welcome because you love my name. Indeed, second part, the hour is coming when whoever kills you, escalating things, they will think that they are offering a service to God. So sometimes persecution gets escalated at times to the highest level of hatred all the way. To the place of death. And so Jesus says, Listen, I need you to grasp this, man. I need you to understand this. You're going to be dealing with not just rejection and casting out, but you will actually become martyrs. You will actually give your life for the gospel. And all of them would walk through the door of martyrdom except for John, though John was also pretty deeply persecuted. And yet, in the midst of this, they prized Jesus as the greatest treasure to be held. And their lives ultimately didn't matter to them. They got to that place in light of the worth of the gospel. And those who practice this upon Christ's followers reveal that they have no idea of the truth, no idea of the real gospel, and they certainly have no idea of the glory of Christ. I wondered as they walked to the Garden of Gethsemane when he said this, You know, did their hearts sink a little bit? They're going to put you out of the synagogues, but indeed, let me just tell you this, there's going to come a time when people that you know and you love, maybe even some of your family, they're going to think that they're giving God the greatest glory and they're going to kill you because of your love for me. And I wondered if there were two sets of brothers among the 11, did they look at each other? Did they talk about that in the years to come? Y'all remember that night? And they began to see this happen and take place. Did they swallow hard? Did they raised their eyebrows and turned their head a little bit when Jesus said that indeed the hour is coming whenever it kills you will think they are offering service to God. Stephen came to know this, did he not? Preach the gospel. Did they like it? No. Killed Stephen. Paul participated in persecution and then had it done to him. Paul in Acts 26 Listen to these words as he describes himself in Acts 26, 9 through 11. He says, I myself was convinced that I ought to do many things in opposing the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And I did so in Jerusalem. I not only locked up many of the saints in prison after receiving authority from the chief priests, but when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Listen to that. But when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. And I punished them often in all of the synagogues. And I tried to make them blaspheme. And in raging fury, Paul says, I persecuted them even by going to foreign cities. And so here's Paul. He persecuted and then he became the persecuted. So I want to stop for a moment and I want to kind of tell the story of this history of persecution the earliest christians expected suffering as jesus was persecuted the apostles were and so they had the expectation that it would indeed happen to them as well and so for the first 300 years of the church if you became a christian guess what you knew when you became a christian first 300 years were just dominated by deep big powerful persecution so you became a christian what did you expect you knew that as I follow Jesus, I'm going to experience persecution. And yet they as well found for the first 300 years, as the church was exploding and growing, they found him to be the greatest treasure, though the world was deeply troubled in regard to Christianity and Christ. So Christianity came to life under the powerful arm of Rome. And in time, uh, if you look at a study of history of Rome, Rome, Rome was not really always intolerant of other religions. As a matter of fact, they allowed, look, look, at, look at the New Testament times. What did they allow the Jews to continue to do? They maintained the temple. They were able to worship. They were able to do <laughs> their sacrifices, their feasts. And so Rome was tolerant, but Rome was not tolerant of Christianity. As a matter of fact, even sometimes Rome, um, the god Saturn, not a real god, but, you know, was from North Africa, and they even brought that into their God system. But Christians, though, would not be tolerated in the Roman world for 300 years. Wherever Rome's power reached, um, it allowed other religions to prosper, but not Christianity. We ended our time last time with looking at Nero. Nero actually began the first really big persecution against Christ followers in 64 A.D. He became emperor at age 17 when his mother... Killed her husband so that Nero could become the emperor. He was crazy. He declared the faith illegal. Eventually, he had his mother, who helped get him to the throne, had her stabbed to death and killed her as well. At the end of the first century, Domitian is the emperor of Rome. The historian Pliny called Domitian the beast from hell who sat in its den licking blood. He was evil and hated Christians. Domitian was the first emperor to officially entitled himself in Rome as God and Lord. That was what he called himself. He insisted that other people held his greatness with acclamations like Lord of the earth, invincible, glory, holy, and thou alone. Christians rejected that. And so they were at the ire of Domitian. A brief overview of the first three centuries of the church. By A.D. 100, the church had, had basically become mostly Gentile. It had left, left much of its Jewish roots um, as the Jews had rejected um, Christ. Marcus Aurelius, you may know him from gladiator fame, he was very wise in regard to leading Rome, but he hated Christians. He was very brutal to Christians. The persecutions of Christians at Leon, Lyon, is the most famous incident during his reign. And so in 177 A.D., a local bishop was martyred, bringing a church father, Irenaeus, to office. And in addition to that, Justin, the first Christian philosopher, was martyred under Marcus Aurelius' reign, as well as the church father, Polycarp, as well. By 200 A.D., the faith had permeated most of the regions of the Roman Empire, though Christians were mostly in some of the larger urban areas um, throughout the kingdom, but the persecution continued. Another empire-wide persecution came in uh, 250 A.D. under Emperor Decius. It was pretty brutal there. Diocletian became an emperor in 285 through 305 A.D. This was called the Age of the Martyrs. Great persecution. He was known for evicting Christians from their homes, from the army, jobs, churches, homes. Copies of the scriptures were burnt. It. It's estimated that many, 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 the reason there wasn't a whole lot of scriptures left anymore by the time you get to to that century is they'd all been burned under his rule. Christian civil servants were persecuted, and they were um, massacred pretty extensively under Diocletian. So by 325 A.D., an estimated 7 million Christians were on the earth or had come to faith, and an estimated 2 million of them had been killed over those first 300 years. So persecution continued until 324 A.D. Somebody comes to power. Anybody remember who that is? His name's Constantine, and he declares Christianity the official religion. There's a danger in that. What that eventually became is it melded the church with government, and eventually what came out of that was Roman Catholicism. In the persecution under Roman Catholicism, um, in many ways, um, they were the greatest persecutor of the church. It is an estimated that 50 million heretics from 606 AD to the mid 1800s were killed in the name of Jesus by the Roman Catholic Church. 50 million people they had labeled heretics. Now, probably not all of those were Christians, but it was at that time. A pretty significant persecution. Well, eventually the Reformation comes. And many of the Reformers were persecuted. The Roman papacy was corrupted. The priesthood was corrupted. The Reformers spoke against this strongly. They were against the worship of Mary. They were against the buying of indulgences and the immorality that was connected to the priesthood. I don't have time today, but I'll put all this stuff on facebook today so you can kind of have this information um my uncle glenn did a big family history of the taylors and traced the taylors all the way back to the 1600s to the reformation in england and we believe one of our relatives rowland taylor was killed and martyred for preaching the gospel under mary um tudor and her reign that was there It's been said that around 70 million Christians have actually been killed for their faith. Now listen to this. Two-thirds of those in the 20th century. It's been said by most Christian organizations and mission organizations that the 20th century was the bloodiest history of the church. 19th century, the Ottomans killed around 2.5 million Christians. 20th century the soviets killed around 500,000 106,300 russian clergymen were killed between 1937 and 1941 in germany another 250,000 in that time were martyred and more than a million people today as we sit in this room this morning live in places of deep persecution so why the history I wanted to tell you the history and that it continues today for this reason, that what Jesus said walking to the Garden of Gethsemane was the truth. It was the truth. This is what will happen that when he left to God's people, that the words of Jesus and embracing the words of Jesus will prove incredibly costly. Here's the fourth thing. The words of Jesus are rejected and the reason they're rejected and the reason the response toward Christians is this way because people do not know the father and the son so in verse three look with me again and they will do these things because they have not known the father nor me Notice what Jesus said. They will do these things. Man, this is not a possibility. They are going to do these things. So Jesus says, let me let, let, let me let you in on a little secret so that you know that the reason they're doing this is because they don't know the Father and they don't know me. And if, Because if they did, they would not respond this way. They would embrace you. But because they don't know the Father and because they don't know the Son... They are going to respond to you in this way. Back in chapter 15, verse 21, he said, But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. So throughout the ages, Christ's followers have been persecuted and martyred by religious people. Watch this. Who used the name of Jesus but were lost. And killed biblical Christians. So here's what it tells us about persecution. It tells us the persecution of Christians flows from the truth that persecutors do not have an authentic relationship with the father or the son. If they did, they would not do this. Again, I go back to 50 million heretics under Roman Catholicism were killed from 606 A.D. to the mid-1800s. Why? Why? Not, not it, not every, now, let me be careful. I have to give a caveat here. Not every, not every person in a Catholic church is lost. There are authentic believers in the church. But the leadership of the Catholic church for a long, long, long time didn't know the Lord. Because if they knew the Lord, they would not persecute Christians. They would not have done it. That's what Jesus says here. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. So all who have killed Christians have done it in the name of their God. Extreme Muslims are killing in the name of Allah. Jews originally killed in the name of God. Rome killed Christians in the name of their Roman gods and Caesar's name. Roman Catholic Church used it throughout history using biblical words and phrases to persecute Christians Hinduism and Islam now are the big persecutors India Hinduism dominates that country big persecution happening there and then we know of Islam so again it's just proper to note note this wrecks our American safe system prosperity is not always the sign of God's approval you know what sometimes a sign of God's approval is? Persecution. Being cast out, being rejected, and even losing your faith. Just think of the things that have happened and are happening because the Father and Son aren't known. 63 million abortions in the last 49 years in this country. Hey, you didn't know that, The leading cause of death worldwide in 2020, 2019, and 2020. They don't have the, well, I think they do have the, no, I did read that right. Leading cause of death in 2020 and 2021, worldwide, abortion. Leading cause of death. So lots of things are done because people don't know the father and son. And so it's in that kind of world that guess what? Guess what we get to do? We get to go talk about the father and son that the world hates and to share the gospel. And from time to time, you know what happens? God does this incredible work in the midst of persecuted places. We talked about this several weeks ago, and I know it to be true because the the reports are just pretty significant, and, and I know someone who knows people who are there but the fastest growing church on the planet today is in the Muslim country of Iran. Fastest growing church. Jesus appears to people in dreams. There are Iranian Christians who are sharing the gospel at great cost and the church is exploding in the midst of that. Tertullian, church father, eighty-one hundred said this, that the blood of Christians has become the seed of the church. We are in this room today because for 2,000 years, Satan and everyone who hates Christ and God's people have not stopped the gospel from going forth. Because the gates of hell cannot and will not prevail. Matthew 16. So the church will stand. So what's our hope? Let me close with this. The last thing he says there in verse 4. The words of Jesus. Equip us for every situation of life. Every one of them. So he says in verse 4, So I've said these things to you that when the hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. Let me tell you one of the great reasons we can trust Christ And one of the great reasons he was telling the 11 that they could trust him, that when the hour came, everything that he said would come to be true and they would know this, that Jesus knew the future and he could be trusted. He knew what was coming in the days ahead. His sovereignty was truthful. Everything that he said came to pass. And so he tells them in advance, he tells us in advance that we should just continue to trust him fully. There should be... Even today, listen to this, there should be no persecution surprises anymore for the church. Why? Because Jesus said it was going to happen. This is going to happen. So when we have been forewarned, it gives us an opportunity to be forearmed and ready for the battle. So I've said these things to you that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told you just two things here. When they did come to pass and they did happen, it gave them confidence in Christ's sovereign knowledge. He told us this was coming and it came. And secondly, knowing what he knows would give them strength. That he knows things. So it would prepare them. It would give them confidence in his sovereign knowledge in, in knowing that he knows things would give a strength in their lives. So I'm going to close with a few thoughts. We live in the realm of two realities. We live in the realm of the promises of God that have come to the people of God and we have everything that we need for life and godliness. Second Peter chapter 1. We also live in the realm of hatred from the world toward Christ and toward his people and eventually over time there's a a a Greek word called martyr we all know that word the word martyr only means witness in the Greek but Christians kind of hijacked the word back in the day and came to use it as someone who is a Christian witness who is killed for their faith Peter, James, and Andrew were crucified. Jesus' half-brother, James, leader of the Jerusalem church, he was stoned. Philip and Stephen were stoned. Bartholomew was whipped severely and then crucified. James, John's brother, was beheaded. John Mark, who wrote the Gospel of Mark, we believe got most of his information from Peter, the stories from Peter. Peter is such a dominant figure in the Gospel of Mark. He was dragged to death in North Africa. Matthew, Simon the Zealot, Thaddeus, and Timothy, as well, church history tells us, were martyrs. Paul was beheaded. Clement of Rome wrote in AD 100, he wrote of the church leaders. Through jealousy and envy, the greatest and most righteous pillars have been persecuted and put to death. In the USA so far, we have not known this kind of reality of persecution. A faith that leads to death. But we might. And if, if, if that happens, then we have the very words of Jesus that he told the eleven that are all that we need to walk through days like that. So the words words from Jesus on this night tell the 11 of the great promises of God. He also tells them that there will be great persecutions. You will be outcast. And some people are going to think they're offering a great service to their God when they kill you. And again, I want to come back to what I said in the beginning. God always does things kind of upside down from the way the world does it. So we are persecuted because of the promises, and yet it is the promises that enables God's people to get through the persecutions. So the reason the world hates is the words of Christ. What do believers need? They need the words of Christ. That's what gets them through it all. So the world hates you, Jesus says, but I love you. The world will do this to you, but I'm giving you a helper. His name's the Holy Spirit. We are loved by God and we are hated by the world. In case you're wondering, does this happen today? Let me close with this. So on October the 1st of 2020, Islamic militants shot and killed an underground church leader by the name of Miriam. She's a woman. She was 46 years old in Somalia, after discovering six Bibles in her possession. The day before the shooting, Sheikh Arbo sent his wife to visit Hussein's home and to pretend to her that she was interested in Christianity. During the visit, Hussein read passages from the Bible with Arbo's wife and told her that she could visit as much as she wanted and they could read passages of, of the Bible and discuss it. Arbo's wife went home and confirmed to her husband that there are Bibles in that home. So the next day, Sheikh Arbo visited the woman, Hussein, along with some other Muslims, and he requested, could I have a Bible? I know you read a Bible yesterday with my wife. Could I have a Bible? So she gave one to him, and he revealed that he was looking for Christians who have defiled the Islamic religion. He then ordered her, "Are there any other Bibles in the house? And if so, you need to give them to me." So she went and got them and handed them over. And he pulled out a gun and shot her three times. And so I, I, I'm not trying to do this for any kind of dramatic effect at all. I just I just want us to know this: that in most of the world, this is how people live. This is how they live. This is what they have to face. It's deeply, deeply costly. And what I learned from people like that is that they have found Christ to be a treasure beyond treasures. That's why you live like that. That's why Stephen, as rocks are pounding on him in Acts, looks up to heaven, and he doesn't... I don't know if you've ever noticed this before. Jesus ascends and he sits at the right hand of the Father, but on that day when Stephen looked up, Jesus wasn't sitting. Stephen said, I see Jesus standing. It was almost as if Jesus stood up to say, that's a man that loves me. And I can stand for that. And I can honor that kind of life. And Stephen utters the words, just like Jesus, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. So it's in that kind of world that Christians live. It's in that kind of world that the 11 came to know that. It may be this kind of world that comes to us. We don't know that is the case. But if it is the case, then we have enough instruction as to what we need to do. So what do we do? Here's what I think we do. We wait always and trust the Word. We wait and we trust. We wait and we trust. And as we trust Him, He empowers us in everything that we need. Let's pray.